Everybody, happy Friday. It is the Fan Drive Time. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Sportsnet 360. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, and Toronto Maple Leafs. They have a chance to become the talk of the hockey universe by forcing a Game 6, Game 5 tonight at Scotiabank Arena. Here's the problem. Do you think the Leafs will not be the talk of the hockey universe no matter what the outcome is? Yes. It's, it's a good point. Uh, <laughs> it's at Scotiabank Arena tonight. Nice weather for for the folks out at uh, Maple Leaf Square. Maple Leafs are one in four at home this postseason. It has uh, not been kind to them. Also, they've had a little difficulty scoring uh, the puck into the old onion basket. Uh, two goals in six consecutive postseason games. Well, that's the problem right there is they're shooting into an onion onion basket, basket, which is significantly smaller than an NHL net. Yeah, they should think about uh, shooting it into the net. Um, But they stayed at a hotel, Blake, so they're they're treating it like it's not a home game. Um, Maybe they're wearing like VR helmets, too, that that make it seem like they're not in Toronto, I, I guess. If it works, it's uh, it was a great idea. It seems like kind of a desperate ploy here. Yeah, I mean, I don't have uh, a wife and kids, so I don't know how much like that element of it, um, especially in a game with a, a quick turnaround. Like, I, I don't know how much of a distraction those things actually are from your process and what you've got to do. Like children, a big distraction yeah so like maybe i get it but also like you probably want to see them if you were just on the road for five six days right yeah um are they allowed into the hotel like i'm sure i assume it's not like a prison they're not like quarantined but yeah i mean then why if not like if it's not a like i get it there's probably some sort of messaging of like we're so focused on only us and the entire outside world does not exist so let's like not even let the outside world physically exist i get that but like it's staying in a hotel versus staying in your own bed. Like we've we've heard for decades and decades that home ice or home court advantage is so important because things like waking up in your own bed and going through your own routine at home are so important. Like I, I don't I don't think it's anything at all. Okay, they're not the first team to ever have done it before. In fact, apparently the the 2014 Los Angeles Kings did it uh, on on the way to winning a Stanley Cup, on the way to eventually coming back from a 3-0 series deficit in the first round against the San Jose Sharks. uh, Sharks, by the way, we'll talk to Mike Fuda, who was an executive for that Kings team uh, back in 2014, later on this hour. In seriousness, though, what what do you make of the... The home thing, because I know it's been hockey wide that the road yeah. teams are winning a lot more than we'd expect. And, you know, we're if this continues, we're going to have to adjust some of our modeling or how we change betting lines and things like that, because yeah. home ice advantage ha- has been close to nil in, in this postseason. Um, and, and I don't know, I chuckle a little bit because, first of all, the. All, all five home games they've had have been Samsonov games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's one and four at home. The whole story for like half this season was his record setting home winning That's streak. Right. And like, I felt like a fuddy duddy, just like pouring cold water on it the whole time being mm-hmm. like, this doesn't mean anything. And yeah, small sample stuff rarely means anything, but what do you like? Do you put anything into it at all? A little bit. Uh, and I do think something has, there, there is a little bit of the, hey, this is the hockey mecca and hey, there's a lot of noise. And I know Mitch Marner, he doesn't listen to any of it, but it's hard, man. Like this, the city is noisy, right? And even if you're not in the downtown core and most of these guys, I think, live in the suburbs, you try leaving your house and, and not having a Toronto Maple Leafs conversation. It is very difficult. I would also say, this is just my observation um, and me inferring some things is that Maple Leafs played 
I mean, apparently it was their best effort game of the entire postseason in game four on the road in Florida. That was also the prototypical road game, right? Where it was like, it was, I guess, exciting, but like there was not a lot happening either way, right? Like it was, mm-hmm. it was just limit everything. Like no, no, no chances for the opposition, but not a ton for the Leafs either, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's... And Cam Sharon, our, our buddy, had a good piece at his own website today, not at The Athletic, at camsharon.com, um, breaking some of the numbers down and going into some of the tactics of why that looked a little bit dif- different. And the Leafs still, for the series... And each individual game, like significant, doing significantly better than the Panthers, um, controlling exits out of their zone and things like that. But a big shift in game four to chipping it past the defenseman yeah, and just trying it. to use your feet uh, so, rather than skating it out, using your feet to catch up to it. Um, and that's not something we typically associate with, like the good fun kind of Toronto Maple Leafs hockey it. and their strengths. But it did Dude. like that. I think that feeds into that's more of a road victory, honestly. So you know what's more important than staying in a hotel and away from your 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 family and your children well Well, yeah but playing this like actually strategically playing it as if it were a road game playing Mm -hmm. the prototypical road game where it's ugly like it's have it burn our eyes (laughs) anytime because here's the thing game one and two those were super entertaining hockey games game one was holy whiplash from the lightning series it was those uh, the the end result not so great and the leafs came back though from a two-goal deficit in game one um, and then game two, first 20 minutes, they looked spectacular, despite the fact they only led 2-1 after. But there's hits, and there's goals, and there's chances, and it's both ways. Yeah, can't have that. That, like, is the number one indicator for me tonight in game five. If it's entertaining, that's bad. Needs to be not entertaining for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't agree completely because... I mean, yesterday, your biggest talking point was, well, the the regression we can hope for on the offensive end, because as we went into with Mm -hmm. some of the numbers and stuff, the scoring chances, the shot attempts, even for the core four have been there. Um, I'll tell you, like stylistically, I understand what you're saying. It's still going to be a fun, entertaining game if that offensive regression happens and they, they manage to like... Imagine the elation you'll feel if this team scores a third goal in a oh game. Oh, my. For the first time since, like, my January. Heart. It, feels like- <laughs> it is insane. So, I mean, on that point, I, I think one of the building talking points, it was all about the core four, right? First three games without a goal. First time, like, in their tenure together that they had gone three straight games. None of them had a goal. And, hey, two of them scored. The only two goals came from core four guys. There was... Two of the four that's still been left out in the scoring, and, and we understand John Tavares's role. Like it's it's kind of tough for that guy to create at five on five these days. Although he had a breakaway in, great, in game four as well. To me, this is an Austin Matthews game. Like I, I know Matthew Kachuk also goalless in this is teams up three games to one, right? <laughs> so I, I don't think any if if the if the Panthers win tonight. And Matthew Kachuk doesn't score in the series. Don't think there's a lot of finger pointing at Matthew Kachuk. If the Panthers win and Austin Matthews goes five games without scoring a goal, that's that's the number one. And and not that he's played worse than Mitch Marner, but Mitch Marner physically scored. He scored the game winner in and, in, in game four against the Panthers. And, Austin and thought, Matthews has to score. And I thought Marner in the second and third period looked more like what you'd hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like he looked closer to the proper version of, of Marner rather than what we saw in game three. Um, Matthews has, he's always a tough guy to evaluate because obviously with the contract and with the heart trophy, like the bar is so astronomically high as it should be. Um, you know, you look at his stats. Yeah. Only two assists in this series is 
very, very bad. He's still played pretty good defensive hockey. Yeah. He's still physical. He's still generating a lot well, of shot attempts. Expected goals. I know. Um, the one thing that I have seen suggested, and again, Cam suggested, I've seen some, some of the beat writers wondering it about it as well, um, that wrist thing that he's dealt with throughout the season, and he had that pretty pronounced dip in shooting percentage for a good chunk of the season, took some downtime, mm-hmm. came back and looked Nobody's more healthy right now. I know, I know. Um, and, and, you wouldn't expect that to knock his shooting percentage from like the 15, 16% we normally see him to zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would expect, and, and like last series, you know, he didn't score entirely Austin Matthews styles goals, but he had five goals. Yeah. And that was like a week and a half ago. Yeah. So I, I don't know that there's a, a huge change there. You, you have no choice really, but to look at, well, he's still generating a ton of shots. I believe he leads the entire series in, in shots on net um, by like a, a good margin, him and Nylander. He's generating a lot of chances. And even if the, you know, we, we, one of the limitations of expected goals and metrics like that is we can't take into account or we don't take into account who's the shooter. What is the shooter like in situations like that? Like that's the next level, um, a level far beyond what we're capable of. Is uh, is that a very Austin Matthews version of, of an Austin Matthews shot there? And if something, I mean, it, uh, to me, his shot hasn't looked as, as zippy. Um, mm. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I think you have no choice but to trust that the chances yeah. in the shot generations there, and it's Austin Matthews. You know, it would help. Get a couple power plays, which they finally got in game four. And I get it. Like, there's there's not too much that has stood out as being, like, egregiously non-call-ish either way. But we are talking about the team that was penalized the most. But not only that, you know, played in games in which there were the most penalties on both sides during the regular season, this Florida Panthers. And according to Dom LeCision at the Athletic, this is on pace to be the least penalized series in the NHL playoffs since 2015. And uh, it's again, the like, most sportsmanlike series <laughs> in NHL history. I, we have seen some, you know, choke slams and people getting concussed behind the net and cross checked in the throat. Um, but holy cow, Blake, like the, one of the major differentiating factors and one of the, the things we talked about, you know, the difference between these two teams going into this series was special teams. Five on five, that's a huge advantage. I mean, the Leafs should still be better than the Panthers at five on five. But once we get to special teams, the Leafs have a clear, clear advantage, both killing penalties and scoring on the power play. Problem, though, if they're not calling things either way, right? Like, I don't even care. Like, even it up. But like three power plays each, and the Leafs should have the advantage there. They should. Uh, the power play goals, I believe, are two two in the series, so it's it's been relatively a non factor, both in terms of advantage and just like the volume of it is not like again. The Bruins scored eleven power play goals, yeah. over that seven game series against Florida. Lost the series. I don't think that this Florida team has dramatically changed their style of play. No. Um, now, Again, there's you, choke you, slams and, ch- and cross checks. And you can argue that the <laughs> Leafs not playing their, like, especially in game three. Yeah. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to go back through that tape and, and find a number of, no. of plays where like, oh, the Leafs are playing so well yeah. that the Panthers had to resort to the chippy stuff and they should have got a power. You, you get the power play opportunities you deserve. Well, you don't numbers wise, but in general, like the best way to do that is not, look over your shoulder at the whistle. It's to play your best hockey. We'll be and curious, assume... though. Like, if I mean, yeah, because so there were no power plays at all for the Leafs. And, and right, like, they played zero, awfully yeah, zero in game three. Too many. I'm just saying that, like, again, this is what we, <laughs> this is what I always come back to when we have these conversations is like, you can't control the whistle. You can only right. control what you're doing on the ice. And you, and in general, I, big picture, playing better hockey and making a defense yes. more uncomfortable 
leads to them doing chippy stuff because they have to make up that advantage. Uh-huh. And in theory, that should lead to more power plays. You would think it hasn't. Well, again, they, they didn't play their best hockey in, in game three. Didn't have a single power play in that game. But yeah, all things being equal, you would expect both teams to have their opportunities on the power play and for that to um, be an advantage for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I don't know if goaltending should be an advantage for this team, considering Sergei Bobrovsky has, you know, a couple of Vesnas to his uh, his name. But since he's been a Panther, like, having five straight games where you've been an above-average goaltender, that, that hasn't generally happened for him. Um, will he... And I, I wouldn't say the game four was, like, elite Bobrovsky. And, in fact, I would say that the Marner goal was maybe not his strongest. I... Still a nine twenty though, like like he, I, those weren't like high like five alarm saves that he was making, but you still stop enough of them, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm interested to see what Joseph Wall looks like when he is forced into a little bit more action because yeah, mm-hmm. Leafs were great, twenty one block shots in Game Four. That's that's a pretty good recipe if you can if you can do it again in Game Five. Like all, all the the better for you, but like it's unlikely against a a, a team that is as offensively uh, powerful as the Panthers that you're going to go through yet another 60-minute hockey game where you have, like, what, one, two odd man rushes coming against you, and you're probably going to need Joseph Wall to make a save or two in this game tonight. You almost definitely are. Um, you know, and, and again, some of the the tactical shift last game, I mean, they had to, to try some new things in general because they'd lost three in a row. Um, the chip it out, versus skated out and the force Florida to come up to you a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I do wonder if a tiny element of that is also what's well, a, it's a more risk averse strategy in your own zone in terms of neutral zone turnovers and things like that. Um, it asks your defenseman to do a little bit less with those higher risk stretch passes that, that they tend to throw. I, I wonder, you know, even if the series had been, Two one in either direction. Do they make a change like that? Because with Joe Wall between the pipes, you do want to be, you know, a little more risk averse. I, I don't know how much that goes into it. Like down three zero, I think mm. you got to do whatever. Yeah. Um, it it will be interesting to see. And like the biggest thing I'm curious about is what does he look like in scramble situations? And to his credit, one of the reasons we don't know that really is because he's really good with rebound control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can kind of kill the puck in front of you and handle it well. That minimizes the uh, the opportunities for us to really see you in a scramble. But if that happens, like, can he track a puck behind the net? Can he track a puck going side to side and bouncing off of skates? We'll see. Like, there's no, it's not like there's a, a way around it. Yeah. In conclusion, my uh, formula for success for the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight would be good. low event hockey. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Good goaltending. Lots of power plays. Good <laughs> goaltending. <laughs> Don't allow goals. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you simplified it even more than yeah. I was going to. But yeah, I was going to say low event hockey and then just expect that you have or, or rely on your extra game breakers to break the game, right? That you have more skill if if there's there's less stuff happening. If there's... Fewer odd man rushes both ways and an equal number of power play opportunities both ways that you have the advantage. Try and limit the stuff would be what I would say. Not unlike game four. If we see that same formula put in uh, in front of us tonight, you know, again, it, it might be difficult for the Maple Leafs to get more than two goals, but two is enough in game four. You're allowed to win a hockey game 2-1 or 2 nothing. Yeah, but you're also allowed to score more than two goals. Sure. It's, sure. it's not a rule. Yeah, it's true. 
<laughs> we'll see. Uh, Anything else I mean, on this one? Well, no, it's just gonna, the way you set that up. You know, if you play it like game four, it's just worth pointing out that the Leafs are playing it exactly like game four. They're going with the same 11-7, yep. same line combinations. And, of course, they'll change up on the fly. And we'll see Nylander up with Martyr and Matthews for shifts and things like that. But same 11-7. and seven. Yeah, I, I will say that uh, eleven and seven is growing on me, and 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 I'll I'll ask Mike Fuda about this as well. But Sheldon Keefe is a tinkerer. He loves to mess. He p- loves to put the lines in a blender, and he's needed to at times, right? Splitting up Matthews and Marner mm-hmm. on occasion. But eleven and seven, like it plays right into his hands, and maybe it's it puts everybody on high alert right out of the gates that that there is going to be some flux when it comes to to the forward lines and. And it allows you to protect uh, Mark Giordano, put him in the, the very limited opportunities that you're going to use him in the hockey game. It seems to work. And he had that comment the couple games back that, you know, his his thought at this point in the season is that maybe this Leafs team, you know, we, we hear coaches talk about wanting a rhythm and wanting the line certainty and things like that because you're you're in that comfort zone you have that chemistry and he thinks maybe they're he he had kind of wondered aloud maybe we're a team that doesn't benefit from that and it's more about the free flowing and yep. a lot of different combinations being able to play together the other reason i like 11 and 7 um one the the 10 and 11 camp and lafferty have been really good in this series yep. um, the, the underlying numbers bear that out it was it was actually through three games i one of the notes i had on my page was like it, it's a really alarming and negative thing that so many of my notes in the positive column are about your two fourth liners yeah. and not the other guys. Um, but I think those two working so well and being able to, you know, you can throw because most of the team's top players are responsible defensive zone players too. You can throw whoever out there to get them the extra shift. The big thing though, to me is, and this, there was one game they did 11 and seven and Matthews and Marner and Nylander didn't play big minutes. And I was frustrated by it because part of the reason to do 11 and seven is not to get Callie Yarncroke more minutes, right? Like no offense to him. He's, he played a good game, but like you're doing that because you trust Matthews and Marner and Nylander to play up in the 24, 25 minute range. Um, which, you know, in this series, it started to trend in that direction. Marner leading the team in minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew second. That's what I'd want to see even more of tonight. Season on the line. I, I know those guys haven't been perfect in this series, but 11 and seven gives you even more leeway to lean on the guys who should be determining the fate of this team. Um, yeah, it would be just a lot more interesting. The Maple Leafs win this game and, you know, a game six back on the road on Sunday and a potential game seven uh, next week back in Toronto. Blue Jays also return home. It's been a while. Holy oh, yeah. cow. Uh, start a series yeah. against the Atlanta Braves. 12 at home, 25 on the road. Yeah, no, it's outrageous. So, yeah, that that, that should go into the evaluation of where this, this, this team's record is at this point because, yeah, it's... To, to, despite who you're playing on the road, it's always more difficult to play on the road. Like that bears out like the home field advantage throughout the course of a major league baseball, 162 game regular season. That's a real thing. It might not be in, no, in, the in the, said it's not, <laughs> no, it might not be a thing in the Stanley cup playoffs, but uh, in a major league baseball season, it is a thing. So they uh, return home for a, uh, uh, it was a 10 game homestand, 10 uh, games at home and seven on the road, all without an off day. Right. Uh, and it starts against Alex Anthopoulos's Atlanta Braves. Who's not in town, oh. by the way, like they, Anthopoulos isn't in town. No, oh. he's, he didn't make the trip. Um, but yeah, he's, a, he, yeah, but his, his number one candy babies on the mound tonight. <laughs> um, the pride of that, uh, that entire franchise, Spencer Strider. It's yeah. A, like I'm, I'm certainly not going to complain about the Leafs having a, a game five tonight. It's awesome. Very excited for it. 
tiny part of me uh, sadly missed the Spencer Strider start down at Rogers Center. Well, and uh, for the uninitiated, all he does is strike people out. Forty-two point four percent strikeout rate so far this year. That's that means forty-two percent of the batters he faces are striking out. Well, and it's not just this year; it's his entire career. Um, yeah, he he has for his career a strikeout per nine rate of thirteen point nine, but this year it's fifteen point one per nine, which. Uh, if he was able to complete a regular season with that total would be the highest ever K per nine in a single season in recorded history. He's been unbelievable. And with like the, the, he's basically got the right head. He's got the Robbie Ray repertoire, right? It's like fastball slider and, and 60% fastballs coming at you in the upper nineties against uh, Chris Bassett. And similar to Robbie Ray, uh, he'll walk some guys, but mm-hmm. the thing he doesn't do, or at least has managed to not do for the most part is, Part of the thing with Robbie Ray, and this is a Yusei Kikuchi thing as well, is like you throw it so hard, your stuff's so nasty. Yeah, you're going to mislocate it sometimes. And if you can get a bat on it, you can put a drive into it. Spencer Strider also doesn't give up home runs. Mm-hmm. No, he's like really good and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing, though, about the Braves is that he's good. Um, and Bryce Elder, he's having a good season. Although he's like complete opposite. You want to talk about stuff like he's a poop tosser uh, and we'll see him tomorrow. And then who knows who we see on Sunday because... The Braves are without Max Fried and Kyle Wright, who are on the injured list. And just uh, before we came on the air, we found out that the Rays lost Drew Rasmussen to a flexor strain. That's the same injury that knocked Robbie Ray out for the entire season. They immediately threw him on the 60-day IL. This is a guy that they needed a 40-man spot to claim. They claimed someone from the Red Sox. Anyways, but he's already had two Tommy John surgeries in his career. I know I keep harping on this, that the Blue Jays have had this incredible injury luck, and, and part of it is not luck, right? Like, they acquired guys that have good injury track records, and the performance, high-performance center is a big part of this. But and look, they've been very careful with workloads yeah. and, and pitch and by, counts and things like that. And by the way, George Springer back in the lineup today and, uh, and playing right field for, uh, for the Blue Jays. But look at, and this Braves team is off to a tremendous start, and we'll see if they're able to sustain that, considering the injuries to the top end of their rotation. But look around baseball. How lucky the Blue Jays have been with the injury bug. I know they haven't played a ton of, of home games, but it is hard to, to look at that record and only being a game out of last place in the American League East, considering some of the injuries that the other teams in this division have suffered and think, oof, boy, that's the... Eventually, the Blue Jays are going to have to go without one of these starters, right? And, and I know it's been up and down for a lot of these guys, but like Drew Hutchinson is going to make a start for the Toronto Blue Jays this season. That you've only managed to to get off to a twenty-one and sixteen start this season, not concerning, but it's it's it could have been much better than that. It, yeah, yes, it could have been. Um, I don't know that I'm a hundred percent that Drew Hutchison uh, makes a start. I, you want to wager? No, not necessarily. I just like Trent Thornton and Zach Thompson are both on the forty man. So I think if you need like a three inning guy, yeah. at one point those guys get the nod first because they're on the forty man, and and why not? But. Yeah, I also, I don't know, it's Drew Hutchison. Like, is he, does he, I, I, this is also the time of year where we find out if some of these guys have, like, uh, opt-outs mm-hmm. in their minor league contracts uh, as well. Um, I mean, we could do a friendly wager off air. You just don't want people to know that you, you no, wagered just, against Drew Hutchison. No, oh, no, this is uh, one of my early introductions to Blue Jays Twitter when, you know, we were first coining Twitter circles like that uh, was that I was a very big Drew Hutchison non-believer. And um, obviously there was a quick moment in time where that looked like a bad take. 
and then several years, a decade even, of time where that looked like the correct take. Uh, um, be- so I'm, I'm not new to not believing in Drew Hutchison. Yeah, it's worked out for you. Uh, before we take the break, though, um, just in, in general, what is this Blue Jays team good at, right? Like, they have some, some high-end talent. I get it. Vlad, Bo, Matt Chapman. These guys are off to tremendous starts and, and not unexpected tremendous, tremendous starts. You look at the offense, though, middle of the pack as far as runs scored. You look at the starting pitching, all been healthy, middle of the pack as far as ERA. You look at the bullpen, bottom third of the pack as far as ERA from relievers. What, what is this team really good at? And you look at what's coming, right? Because this is the other thing about not only have you not lost guys to injury, it's not like there is a fix coming through the door at any point, right? Like Mitch White will be back. I don't know. Maybe we starting see, in Buffalo tonight. Yeah, maybe we see Hyunjin Ryu in August. Um, maybe we see Chad Green at some point, but none of these guys are stepping in. And and you look at what's next. Well, okay, Tampa Bay's got those injuries. They can turn to top pitching prospect Taj Bradley, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are teams that have those those next guys up that can maybe paper over some of the the weaknesses we're seeing right now or risks we're seeing as the season goes on. We just don't have that. Like, there's nobody on the 40-man, like, making a case for a spot. Like, Nate Pearson was it, mm-hmm. and he's up now. So, like, there's not... It's not like there's more of that coming as well. Um, so, I would say that the thing that Blue Jays are best at is not being bad at anything. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's a... That feels like a two, three years ago conversation where the... The first part of the roster building while you waited to see just how good Vlad and Bo were going to be was stop stop having bad players. Mm. That was a there are two ways to make your team good. Mm-hmm. Not have bad players and then have great players. And ideally you want both, but the J the first step the Jays took was hey, we got to get rid of, you know, we got to stop giving lots of playing time to I don't know, Darwin Barney or Joe Panic or whoever it is, right? Um the Jays are supposed to, the ceiling is supposed to be higher than that now. But right now I think they're, they profile as a team that just doesn't do anything super poorly. And that's, that's like fairly underwhelming and unsexy. I think what they tell you is, well, yeah, we've shown you how high the floor is and we haven't seen the ceiling yet with the start that Matt Chapman's had and how a couple of the, you know, guys like Whit Merrifield, maybe played a little better than you could hope. Kevin Kiermaier offensively, absolutely. Like you, you maybe have seen. Um, like Vlad's going to have a hotter hot streak, and Bo's going to be a guy. But I, I don't know that the ceiling is as significant offensively as we thought. It's they're just they don't have a lot of holes. No, and I would say though that yeah, some of their expected stats are much higher than the reality. So there's some yeah, but, positive but regression. Not, it's not like they're the league's most no, no. egregious. Like like George I think Springer the, is a great case of that. Yeah, yeah. Like George Springer is absolutely going to be better than this. Yeah, but also like Matt Chapman will probably come down to earth a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Kevin Kiermaier will come back down to earth a little bit as a hitter. Yeah. No, I, I think what you said though prior to that was was the key to believing that this team is a division winner, is the best team in the best division in all of baseball, seems pretty clear, um, is that this is not close to the ceiling. Because, like, what, what? who's performing at their absolute peak? Matt Chapman. Yeah, Matt Chapman. There's one guy, right? Probably Kiermaier, too. Like, he's been 25% yeah, better okay. than league average at the plate. Like, I, I don't think but, that's it, going to sustain. But Kev, Kevin Kiermaier, like, yeah, the expectation is league average hitter. The, the defense plays in center yeah. field and not playing every day. I understand that. But yeah, the the idea that they can get 
more offense out of a the suddenly awakened Brandon Belt and Dalton Varsho and and Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. And I think Vlad's got more. Like Vlad's had a very nice yeah. start, and I still. I still think he's like this close to just like going on a tear that also includes the power in addition yeah. to everything else. No, we saw that a couple of times mm-hmm. on the road trip. Anyways, uh, it starts tonight. This uh, 10 game homestand against the Braves on uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet one on Sportsnet Ontario. You could see the Toronto Maple Leafs try to keep their season alive in game five against the Florida Panthers. We'll talk to Mike Fuda. Sportsnet analyst, former NHL executive next. The fan drive time continues. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, the fan. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan drive time, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet 360, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. The Toronto Maple Leafs at home, but they just spent the night at like a Motel 6, right? Like they, they're... I doubt it. West, <laughs> like uh, Best Western or no. Red Roof Inn or something like that? Nope. Oh. I doubt it very, very much. There are like three hotels close enough to the uh, arena that most of the, not all, but most of the NHL and NBA teams kind of rotate through. Okay. I would guess it's one of those. Maybe. Maybe they were slumming it. All right, let's talk to Mike Fuda, Sportsnet analyst, former NHL executive. How's it going, Mike? You guys think these guys don't even know what a Motel 6 is? <laughs> I've stayed in many a Motel 6. <laughs> I'm talking about how those guys, when we were in the playoffs once in Los Angeles, we played in a place, that, like we stayed in a place that wasn't a Ritz, and I thought the team was going to boycott. So, trust me. <laughs> trust me, these guys... They, they would evaporate and turn into brown sugar if they got anywhere near a Motel 6. I imagine that is absolutely the case. So speaking of your time uh, as an NHL executive with the, the Los Angeles Kings, there was some indication that that team in 2014 uh, went at home during the postseason, a team that, that won the Stanley Cup, their second, but also came back from a 3-0 series deficit against the Sharks in the first round. That that team at home stayed in a hotel. Do you, is there any credence to that? What, what can you say about that? Yeah, no, they'd, they'd come down, they'd go see their families after practice, and then they'd check into the, uh, they'd check into the Ritz across of the, um, across from the, uh, well, I guess it was the Staples Center at the time. So, yeah, no, there was. It was more as we went along. I mean, it can be a, I mean, it's, if you've been to Los Angeles, so you, if you get caught in the rack, you're talking about a, sometimes it's a two-hour travel from our practice facility to the Staples. You just want to take that off there take that off their, you know, pace. Sometimes we do our morning, our morning skates were always at the uh, practice facility in El Segundo. But as we moved along, we started having our morning skates at the Staples Center. And I mean, it's, it was kind of tough. I mean, you start a little earlier in the series because we were fortunate that the, the Lakers and everybody kind of sucked at the time because we had first dibs on the, uh, on the facility. But when everything's cooking, uh, it's difficult because the Lakers and the Clippers, I mean, they're out now, but the Lakers are still in it. They certainly at first at first uh, shot at practice ice and the facility for their games. So, yeah, no, we were fortunate enough. Those guys had like a 30-second walk across the street in the morning, and they'd uh, have their morning skate, go back and get their nap, and all their food was served at the Ritz, and then back at, at the game in the evening. So, yeah, very much true. And for the Leafs, they're, they're fighting with Blink-182. They're fighting with the WNBA <laughs> that's here tomorrow. Yeah, it's a, it's know, a tough go. Tonight, you think anybody's watching anything but this game tonight, you're crazy. 
Yeah, it's a, and it's a great Jays matchup too. But yeah, I was saying earlier, it's uh, if of all the reasons to to miss a good Jays game, uh, Game Five in the playoffs is a pretty good one. So uh, we didn't know the, uh, a couple days ago if we'd even be here. The, the Leafs get down three nothing. Um, so Mike. That Kings team came back from down 3 nothing. They won three game sevens in that playoff run. Uh, it couldn't have just been the change to a hotel. What else happened to make that 3 nothing comeback possible? Because it's something that, yeah, it's happened five, four or five times in NHL history, um, you know, twice in the, in the last 15 years or so. But it is extremely rare across all sports for any team to be able to do that. What if anything, were you able to take away from from that experience uh, with the Kings doing it? Well, our core had a couple of good, you know, tough losses. Um, you know, in 2011, we had a couple, like, went around, went a couple rounds, but just falling short. And then in 2012, getting in in the eighth seed and, and learning how to win as a group and going all the way. Um, and in the in the fashion where we did it, we were actually up 3 nothing in every uh, three games. Three, nothing in every series games wise. And, uh, and they were all close. It was very few blowouts, but we were just finding ways to win. And, and then in uh, 2013, we actually went to the conference final again and went, uh, you know, I think we went six with Chicago. So there was a really a belief in that room when they looked around at each other, like we, we made some dip, we made some changes. Like uh, we had added Marion Gabrick at the deadline and we felt we needed some additional scoring and Gabby ended up scoring. Like I think he scored 16 or 17 in the playoffs in 2014. But the, the turning point for us was we were down, we were down three nothing playing at home and they were, they were starting a, a little bit of a, a little bit of arrogance. I think crept in with the sharks. I mean, they hadn't won and they, and they had, hadn't beaten us and, and they were starting to celebrate a little early. And I remember Jonathan quick, just going to the dress. It's, you can see it on tape. I mean, he goes to the bench and just basically says, we're winning this series. And we came back and we won that game uh, in game four. And I think Jonathan Quick let in five goals in the next three games. Um, so, not putting any pressure on that wall. <laughs> There's a lot of things that just went into it. So the bottom line is we had we had learned how to win as a group in that group, regardless of the score. I mean, in 2000, not only did we, not only did we um, come back and sweep and sweep the Sharks in that series, but we ended up winning two more game sevens on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, including, I still think, one of the best hockey games I've ever been attended. We played as the Game 7 double overtime against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, in their building was just, you couldn't hear yourself for the entire two and a half hours. So, uh, good on the fans, uh, but again, we just found ways to win, and it was those guys in the group truly, truly believed in themselves. And I think that's the biggest thing here, clearly. I mean, they're saying it all the right things, like that they believe in themselves and they're, they're tuning out the media and it's all about what we think about each other in here. But they put themselves behind the eight ball and they've got to go out and prove that. I mean, I'm one for three on my predictions in this school. And one in three, <laughs> I haven't done anything right because I truly think the Leafs are the better team mm-hmm. and they should be winning. So they put themselves in a tough predicament. I mean, I don't, the goaltending situation doesn't worry me at all, I think. That's it. That looks good on them too because um, I'd be really concerned if it was Murray in the net. I think there's a different level of confidence, uh, not just for his play, but him whether he was going to st- remain healthy as, as the series would go on. And I think there is a really internal belief in this kid in the net that they they don't lose a step on on Samsonov as good as he's been for them. So, uh, as I said, good on them. Um, the interesting thing will be uh, if they continue to move along and this kid's 
playing lights out. Does Samsonov find himself in the backup? I mean, I guess that's a great thing for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they have a goaltending controversy because that means they're still playing. So yeah. the best players have to be their best players. Um, I still haven't seen Kachuk take over a game yet, uh, which kind of scares me. Um, I think the Leafs are best to, you know, try and not go an eye for an eye or pound for flesh for the way the last game ended because I think their power play is their is their is their deadliest weapon. So it's no time to all of a sudden start putting on your brass nuts and trying to be a team that you're not. You've got to go out and be disciplined, and, and your best players have to find a way to be the best players. Yeah, and just like uh, Matthew Kachuk hasn't taken over a game in the series, neither has Austin Matthews. Still, uh, both guys are without uh, a single goal in in the four games that we've seen so far in this series. Um, game four, the the Maple Leafs did some good things defensively, Mike. They they blocked twenty one shots. They they didn't create a ton on offense. They created enough. They scored two goals and they won the hockey game two to one. Is that the formula? Because. Boy, Blake and I were just talking in the last segment how entertaining from just like a a viewer's perspective games one and two were. And yeah, Maple Leafs controlled large portions of those hockey games, especially in game two, save for like a 10-minute span at the beginning of the second period. But is is the way they played in Florida in game four the more reasonable path to success in this series going forward? I don't think so, uh, but it's hard to – I just – I just can't imagine this team built to its identity and its ability is, is their incredible skill set. Now that doesn't mean, you know, pinching five guys and been being careless. Uh, you can set up that kind of style. But when I was looking at the those shots and I'm looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers in a six, four hockey game, I'm thinking this is everybody. I mean, the panel was all the Leafs are great. The Leafs, but this didn't, this wasn't the team being true to their identity uh, in the way they've been built. Uh, and I think it's hard to just turn on that switch and do it. It'll also be interesting for me that, like, I thought Mark Giordano was exceptional um, in the, in game four, and I think he'd, uh, he hadn't been on his best prior to that. Uh, but you look at, because of whatever the scheduling grips, I think it's allowed some of the older players an extra breather um, to be ready for the next game. And now that we get back to going every second night, it, it'll be interesting to see if these guys can maintain their energy level and their, and, and realize it it truly is one period at a time, one step at a time. And it's very doable because they are the better team, but they can't look one step ahead. And I mean, and again, they've got to, (laughs) I think their best players are due for, I mean, clearly everybody feels the same way that, you know, Austin Matthews, as much as he's, he's working hard and stuff like that. He needs to be the offensive juggernaut that he is. And I mean, Marner's pretty much, I uh, got to do the same thing. I mean, he scored, he got a big, I mean, it wasn't a beautiful goal, but he put it to the net and got a nice goal last game. So it's up to them to be the leaders. And I mean, I just look at this Florida team and if they can get in Bobrovsky's head, I think there's, there's, some, uh, you know, some inconsistencies in his game it hasn't been shown in this series, but I just truly believe they can do it. I mean, but again, every time I've I've been proven wrong an awful lot over the last few years in believing in this group. Hey, a lot of people who who talk about this team have been as well. Um, Mike, you mentioned Geo looking a, a little better last game, um, and yes, the the extra off days are gone, but the Leafs are running eleven and seven again tonight. Um, do you like that from the perspective of hey, you could be a little bit more selective with not only how many minutes, but what kind of minutes for guys like Geo or, or Hall, and then yeah, I mean it, the buy. Ha- proxy of only having 11 forwards shifting even more responsibility to your top guys in terms of minutes loads. Do you like the 11 and seven look for where this team's at for where this team's at? Yeah, I do. I think it gives you more chance to play your stars and just force them and will them into 
being the players that they're supposed to be. And uh, I remember I coached Sheldon Keefe, and I mean, at the time, Kiefer was leading the Ontario Hockey League in scoring. I used to laugh. He used to try to come to the bench and change, and I'd just give him the old <laughs> halt sign, get back out there. He had some of the most <laughs> languishing, I'm out of breath, I can't breathe, and I'd just say, back out there, get out there, Keefe. And I think I think when you get to this stage of the game, um, at the point, it, he's going to ride his stars, and uh, and they've got to, and it's 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 going to be accountability on how they adjust to the added ice time. I think um, through some crazy way, all that line shuffling that they did down the down the stretch, that because of the um, because of the O'Reilly injury, I think that's probably going to be a benefit. So it's not like guys are getting thrown out there that that uh, haven't played with each other before because they seem to have all played with one another by now. So it'll be good to watch. And again, I think I think Bunting slowly. You know, I, I've really liked his game since he's come back from his suspension and. Uh, I think a couple of players like that might might kick in some goals or unexpected sources along with the big boys. So it's all up to them. But again, the 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 alternative isn't good. <laughs> so mm. it's a long ways away, but they've got to take it one step at a time. I got offered Game Seven tickets today, so I don't know if that was a good thing <laughs> or, just, or that was just somebody abusing me. <laughs> well, no, that's that's a nice move because then you know it's it's at least statistically unlikely we're going to a game seven that person doesn't actually have to give you the tickets but gets to have the hey mike oh, remember when sure. i offered you my game and seven you, tickets? Roll yeah, of the dice, i didn't I control it but you guys must know who gave them to me because <laughs> this is right up his alley i i don't but <laughs> i i would holding, like to... holding it for the next 10 years i'll be remember when i offered you oh, those that's games? so good <laughs> Oh my, but anyways, all's good. I hope it's exciting. It's a great sports weekend for Toronto, that's for sure. Yeah, and and you know what? It, the, it's it's likelier that the the Maple Leafs at least force a game 6 if there's penalties actually called in, in this game tonight and there were some in game 4 after Leafs had no power plays in game 3 and not again like not that they deserved, like not that there were some egregious non-calls or anything, but this Boy, for for the most penalized team in the entire National Hockey League during the regular season, and and both ways to have the the most penalties called on either side in 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 the most games uh, during the regular season for this Florida Panthers to have this team this this series as as um, as having the fewest uh, power play opportunities in the playoffs at this point is quite a head scratcher, especially when you go back to game one and the Paul Maurice, not just the five, one hands on his chest, but also afterwards talking about the fact that, Hey, we just have to accept the fact that we're going to be on the losing end of the whistle in each and every game. Do you think that had any impact? Well, I am. I agree at a certain point, but I mean, first of all, when you held up the, the five fingers, it was, there was a guy leaking all over the place, right? So it's not like it was a, it was a coin toss right. call. I mean, it was an autom- automatic drew blood. So, you know, Paul's in a good spot right now. You can feel the confidence in his interviews, and you know, and I mean, obviously, you know, his decision to come back there and where they were at and just having to creep and crawl back into the playoffs. He's nothing more than he'd like come into his former team and find a way to, to break their hearts, but it just in general, I think it'll be interesting to see how this game's refed because of the way the last game ended um, with, you know, with that massive scrum and the guys punching each other and face washing everybody. And it'll be really interesting, but uh, it's, it's part of the game. I think I don't buy into the, the, uh, the leaf scandal refereeing by it. I mean, I think the league would like nothing more to see the Toronto Maple Leafs sure. in the Stanley cup final with the amount of excitement, uh, generated money generated everything so i don't like the conspiracy theory but it is kind of unusual when a team that's kind of 
everybody's calling them the book butchers and the muckers. Yeah. Things aren't, things aren't being called, but it usually all bounces out in the end. So sure. for me, Florida's power play, that's when I, <laughs> I couldn't believe last game. I really struggled with a team that was kind of looked like they were scoring off the rush and getting those greasy goals. I felt last game that Florida kept pulling up and trying to make the pretty play, which shocked me more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's not their, I mean, there were so many, you know, pull-ups, even the, and good defensive plays, but even the play at the end there when, uh, who the heck came in the corner, he came out. Anyway, Shenner made a great play on him, but might have been Verhage, like, shoot the puck. Like, you've got, shoot the puck, and you're coming in trying to beat a guy one-on-one three feet from the net. That's not a tough play for an NHL defenseman to shut down. But anyways, I'm sure they'll be throwing a lot of pucks in that tonight, trying to make it a little tougher on the goaltender, but it'll be exciting, that's for sure. Fingers crossed for you, uh, Fuda, that you can go to a, a game seven in, in Toronto. Oh, I, yes, I'll, judging on the score tonight, I might call one of you and offer them up to you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a great play by you, actually. All right, I can't wait for that. See you, Mike. Okay, guys, have a great weekend. Take care. You too, Mike Fuda, a sports analyst, former NHL executive. That is like a brilliant move. It's like next level. <laughs> I mean, that is, it's gutsy, right? Especially if you don't have the means to spend... <laughs> Two thousand dollars on a game seven. Well, my <laughs> assumption here is it's someone who has tickets. Yeah, obviously, yeah. wasn't just like, hey man, what if I but, bought you but tickets? But honestly, like if I, yeah, yeah, I wanted to, to well, make, make you feel like you owe me because Mike yeah. made it sound like it's someone within these walls. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who that is. Anyways, it was interesting also to hear him talk about, hey, no, don't play like game four. That's not who you are. You're a kitty by the door hockey team, and you know, high flying, and and chances at either. End. I, I I can't agree. I, I know he's right. Like like this team is built to score, to score because they have uh, the I mean, ability they, to they, score. But yeah, they I, are built to score. But the, we, we've talked about this how like progressively over the couple of uh, the last couple of years, yes. they have gone from that's it uh, a full offense team to a more balanced team to a team that by most measures this year was sounder defensively than they were offensively where, you know, obviously they addressed the blue line in a, in a major way, but for both depth and two guys who are playing in their top four in Shen and McCabe right now. But I think, you know, the way the back half of the season played out, the way the playoffs have played out so far, we were right to a lot of the season be like, Hey, where's the secondary scoring for the right. down the lineup? Like that it has like the, the fact that they have only scored two goals in all of these games has a lot to do with the top guys not producing at the same level, but mm-hmm. also like other guys are allowed to score too. And yeah. that's but anyway, the, they we, have been scoring in the, in the first three games. That's they did all the scoring Blake. Yeah. Anyway, we don't need to like relitigate all of that, but this is a team that was like, like they ranked 18th in the league in shot attempts mm-hmm. this year. Like they weren't a fire wagon hockey team and they were very good at suppressing offense for an opponent like they they were a pretty Dude, balanced like, team by the end of this year well and and go back to thinking about the the best stretch of hockey for this team during the regular season was when morgan riley was out right so morgan riley was gone mm-hmm. and and this team decided that that was the you know losing one of its best defensemen they decided that was the stretch of games that were going to play their best defense right like that 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 you couldn't score on that team that that team looked super responsible for a, almost a month stretch of time without Morgan Riley. To me, that's the identity of this hockey team when it's at its best. It's not a team that looks like the Florida Panthers did at times against the, the Boston Bruins. They can play a smarter brand of hockey than but, the Panthers. But can. you can also do both of those things, right? Like you, like what became apparent during that stretch is yes, they were very, very sound defensively. The like, for the amount of time they spend in their own end, the low, low, low shot quality they gave up was terrific, but they also like 
really struggle to get the puck out of their own end, right? Yeah. So, like, that's where, okay, well, what if you play like that and you're that defensively sound and you also have Morgan Riley who, again, playing much better defensive hockey in the playoffs than he did in the regular season because, of course, Morgan Riley has that playoff magic dust on him despite the team's failures. Um, and that's someone who can help you skate the puck out of the zone or at least skate it to, you know, if they play a more game four style, skate to the blue line, chip it ahead through the neutral zone, whatever. And you have Lilligren in the lineup who's able to do that as well. I, I think that this team should be able to handle layering on different things. Like, yeah, of course you want to be def- defensively sound. You want to have that good shell and keep things easy for Joe Wall. But you also like, you don't need to come out and play aggressive, like risk seeking hockey, but you're the team down three, one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you can't, let it go to the scorecards. You've got to go for the the knockout here, or at least like put them on their heels pretty early. Like it's just, I don't know. I, I don't want them to play super conservative just because a two, one win worked because they also lost three games where they only scored two goals like that. that right. But it looked different. It, it did. It looked totally different, right? It's they got like goal late in game, game two three and game four in contrast were, were really different and game two and game three were really different. Um, you know, I just I think this team is good enough to be able to layer on playing sound defensive hockey and then also calculating the risks with skating the puck out of their zone if you're a Riley or a Lilligren. Mm-hmm. And yeah, taking some neutral zone chances if you're the top two lines because I mean those two lines have shown they're they're defensively sound enough to get back and back check and make up for those, you know, mistakes if there are any. Also, they've they've made like pretty few mistakes. At, at least like in the chunks of games where they're playing well, which I realize is self-evident, but like, like they don't, they're not turning the puck over a lot, like just in front of Florida's blue line because they're taking neutral zone chances. Like they're, they're playing fairly smart game three aside. Uh, Renault Lavoie from Scotiabank arena. Next, the fan drive time continues. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, sports at five, the fan and sports at three sixty.